everyone. Welcome to the World Bank EdTech Podcast. The World Bank EdTech team is partnering with Digital Promise and AIEngage.org to host a series of episodes about AI in education. This week, we're exploring opportunities to advance access and inclusivity in AI education to people of all ages and backgrounds, with a focus on K-12 and the workforce. World Bank Senior Education and Technology Specialist Cristobal Cobo speaks with the director of the MIT-wide initiative on responsible AI for social empowerment and education, Cynthia Brazil, about RAISE and its 2022 Day of AI, which seeks to engage K-12 students across the U.S. in a series of freely available hands-on activities designed to introduce them to AI and how it plays a part in their lives today. You can learn more about Day of AI at www.dayofai.org. Welcome to the World Bank EdTech Podcast, a conversation on the use of technology and innovation in education globally. My name is Cristobal Cobo. I'm a senior education technology specialist at the World Bank, and I'm delighted to welcome you to this new episode from Artificial Intelligence and Education Series. This is a collaboration between the World Bank and Digital Promise. We have a world-class guest in today's show, Cynthia Brasil. She is professor of media, arts, and science at the Media Lab, and also director at MIT RAISE. We would like to learn more about the day of AI and the relevance of connecting AI with the new generations of learning. Cynthia, welcome to the program. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and the work that you do, and, and then we can explore how AI connects with education. Yes, absolutely. So uh, thank you for inviting me to be on your podcast. It's uh, really terrific to be able to address a global audience around our work at the intersection of, of AI learning and, and education. So maybe just a, a little bit about me, <laughs> and then I'm sure we'll get more into the specifics of, of the Day of AI, which is one of the big outreach events we hold every year. I uh, am a person who does research at university, at, you know, MIT, in the area of robotics and artificial intelligence. And I'm, I'm recognized as being one of the, the pioneers of the field of social robotics. So this is specifically an area of robotics and artificial intelligence. That's all about how people and robots and other kind of intelligent personified technologies interact with people, you know, help people in all kinds of different tasks and activities. So I'm coming, I'm coming to this educational work as someone who's really worked at the intersection of innovation, but also of human psychology and a lot of uh, human-centered design. So that's that's my background. And I guess to make kind of a, a long story short, you know, within my group, we've been designing these social robots that help people do a number of, I would say, kind of very important, but but deeply personal sorts of activities like education, when you're trying to really help children learn something new or people of all ages learn something or managing a chronic disease or aging with independence or trying to maintain emotional resilience, you know, and mental health. And of course, these very stressful times we find ourselves in. And so my work really involves designing these robots. We deploy them all over the United States over, you know, extended periods of time. And we try to understand how people really interact with them to advance the technology, but also try to understand the relationship between people in these technologies and, and impactful use cases. And it has just become so apparent as we've worked with 
people of all ages now, right? That AI is just, it is infused so many aspects of our personal and professional lives from young children, right, to our oldest citizens. And, you know, these technologies can be designed to, to help people, to empower people. But we're seeing so many examples also of how these technologies can also, for instance, exacerbate inequality if they exhibit bias. So it just became so poignant for me personally that it's really important that people understand this technology so they can be, you know, an informed citizen. So from that, we started this new initiative at MIT called RAISE, which stands for Responsible AI for Social Empowerment and Education. And it is really about helping people understand, to demystify what artificial intelligence is. You know, if you listen to the media, it's, it's hard to know what's fact and fiction, right? Because we really want people to be able to be informed citizens with how they use these technologies, again, in their personal and professional lives, people of all ages. We want, as you, you know, become a, a voting citizen, to have an informed voice of how you want these technologies used in society. And we want to inspire the next generation to be responsible designers of AI-powered solutions because, I mean, the reality is if you look at the field of AI and the companies that do it, I mean, it's, it's not diverse, you know, it's not diverse or inclusive. And so I think that just puts us at risk of not designing solutions that really benefit different people, different communities who have different perspectives. So we really want to empower a far more diverse and inclusive future AI workforce. So that's really why we, we established RAISE. And the Day of AI is one of our main outreach events to help just cultivate an AI literate society and AI literate world, starting with children. So that's, that's kind of what brought us here today. That's, that's fantastic. And there's so much to unpack here. So tell us, how are education systems responding to this invitation to understand, inspire? Are the education systems ready to have this discussion in education? What is your impression? So we, we held the first, I mean, the very first day of AI last year. And it's so, like, just far exceeded our expectations of the level of interest and just the global hunger to try to understand what AI is about and how it impacts digital citizenship. So, you know, when we, we at MIT, you know, when we started this, we thought we really want to bring this kind of learning into classrooms, right? Because that's really how you reach, you know, all students. If you just do after school activities, you know, you, you have a, you know, you have the students who self-select into that, but if you can be in classrooms, you have a chance of really reaching a much, much broader cross-section of students. We started with um, just a four-hour curriculum, starting with just what is artificial intelligence, kind of choosing a thematic area for different grade bands that we thought would be of interest, be relevant of interest to students of that age. And then, you know, we ended with kind of a, a careers in AI where we highlighted very diverse people, roles, companies, so, so that students could grow up understanding that even if they don't become like, say, a core developer in artificial intelligence, chances are as they grow older, they're probably going to use AI-powered tools and solutions and what they do. So we thought we would focus on the United States, right? It was our first year, you know, we're just trying this out. And so we, you know, did our own outreach to, to schools in the United States. And lo and behold, what we discovered was that teachers from like all over the world in like 90 countries <laughs> were finding wow. us, you know, we weren't even advertising, they were finding us and registering. 
So when we started up thinking maybe a few hundred teachers in the United States to pilot, what we ended up with was thousands of teachers from over 90 countries. So that just speaks to, I think, the, the global interest and curiosity of this extremely important innovative technology. And we, we position, you know, the day by day to see AI is for everyone. And any teacher could teach what we offered because it was really much more about the intersection of artificial intelligence and responsible use of these technologies and digital citizenship than it was to be a deep technical course, for instance. So mm -hmm. we really encouraged that any teacher can, can offer the day of AI to their students. And we got a breadth of students, uh, teachers with different backgrounds offering this. That's remarkable. And I'm, uh, while I was listening to you, I was thinking how many teachers would love to say that their communities are globally hungry for understanding. This is something that I think we are in a, you are in a super privileged position in terms of you have a community who is willing to learn and be open to, to catch up and maybe to develop all this language behind. And, and one question for you is, based on your experience, what is your recommendation that these things need to happen within the classroom, outside of the classroom, or is open to any, gener any age and any context? So it's open to anyone. So we, we basically, we make all of our materials available for free. So the day of AI is for free, absolutely no cost. We offered professional development sessions for teachers online, internet-based at no cost. And we provide video teacher professional development material. So, so our, our, our goal at MIT is, is to, to get this knowledge out there. We also, um, We really want to engage really any sort of educator. So we are our own particular focus was bringing this experience into classrooms because just kind of historically speaking, that's been one of the hardest, at least in the United States, one of the hardest mm -hmm. venues for, for us to be able to bring materials has typically been much easier to do through after school programs. So we had a personal goal of trying to get it into in-classroom learning, which is why we thought of, you know, a four hour format would be kind of the right kind of bite-sized amount as an introduction. And then if teachers really wanted to learn more within RAISE, we have, we have many, many hours of, of, of curriculum that, that they can dig deeper. So we, we, we personally have the goal of reaching teachers and students for in-classroom learning. We, we started last year with three grade bands. So we had grades, upper elementary. So for United States, grades three through five, middle school, So in the United States, that's grades six through eight. And then we offered two high school tracks, one for general audience, you know, grades nine through 12. And then we, we have an AP computer science track. So for those students who are more oriented towards wanting to learn about computer science, we had a curriculum for them. And this year, we are expanding to all grade bands. So starting kindergarten through second grade, we're also starting to engage other organizations in helping to You know, there's a lot of actual organizations who are developing really high quality materials in AI literacy. So we have a, a collaboration with ISTE to do our, our kindergarten through second grade grade band. And then we're continuing to add more materials. So if you've done the initial year of Dave AI, you can, you know, you have a new set of materials to do for this year. So we're starting to open up the, the platform, so to speak, because you're right, we, we can access so many teachers now. We want to engage teachers. We want to get their feedback. We actually sent questionnaires out and got a, a, a decent response. So feedback on how they felt the materials were, the training sessions, the preparation. We wanted to get a sense of how they felt their students were engaged and what they learned to use that to iterate and improve our materials. But we want to 
open up this platform to the broader community as well so that teachers, ultimately, we really would love for them to be able to also contribute modules as well as other organizations who, who produce high quality materials. You know, at RAISE, we, of course, would want to, to vet all of that, but, but I can definitely attest that there's, there's a lot of fabulous work happening all over the world. We want to build a community, a much bigger community, because that's really what's going to help this really scale, scale and take off. I really love the very inclusive approach that you have in terms of emphasizing that this is for everybody and everywhere. But let's take a one step back for those who might not be familiar with this topic, because I assume our audience will be very diverse from different countries. Do you think we live in a society that, that is aware that we are currently living with AI? And if so, what would be the consequences? I think the reality is it really depends where you are in the world in terms of how, how much the term artificial intelligence is kind of used in your daily lives in terms of the media or schools and or, or your job or whatnot. So I, I think it's very uneven. I think, you know, if you just look at the general trends, it's d dominated by the Northern Hemisphere right now. So you think United States, Europe and China, right? So I think the fact that for Dave AI, we got so much interest from the Southern Hemisphere just speaks to like many, many people understand this is an important technology and it is driving as you know certainly in the north we know it's 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 driving economies it's driving solutions it's important to understand i think many people don't really understand how pervasive it is in the tools that they use so you know one of the reasons why uh, we wanted to reach children and we use like social media is one of the, the the big application areas we highlight because young people are they are on social media as you know quite a lot and they don't necessarily understand that a lot of those tools and experiences are absolutely being driven by artificial intelligence algorithms. So, you know, these recommender systems, right? One of our, our first curriculum was around YouTube. It's actually very fun because, you know, when you bring something like the topic of YouTube into a classroom, teachers quickly discover that students have deep knowledge about YouTube, maybe more than what they understand. You know, so it becomes a super engaging topic. And then when you talk about, well, recommender systems and why is that video being recommended to you? And, and then you look at important works highlighting how if you just let these recommender systems keep recommending videos and so forth, it can start to recommend some really in inappropriate content, particularly for young people, right? And, you know, there's a lot of reasons why that is, you know, these, these, these more sensationalistic, let's say, videos tend to get a lot more views, they tend to spread more quickly. So that is to say that this is a really important thing for young people to understand that, that how these systems are selecting those videos, especially when they become, you know, frankly, controversial, if not inappropriate, we want students to understand that and to feel that they have a voice in how they want these technologies ultimately designed and used. So we invite students in our YouTube curriculum to not only understand, say, the role of AI in something like, you know, recommender systems, but they actually go through a YouTube redesign exercise. And this can be very much with just paper prototype design where they work in teams, they choose an aspect of their YouTube experience that they think should be better, that potentially AI could be used to improve. And they, we provide them with tools like an ethical design matrix. So their, their decisions that they make, they really have to consider. There may be certain groups who are going to benefit from that more than others. So they, they really have to think through that process. But it really, again, I think leaves students with a sense of these are technologies that play an important role in their lives. It can shape their ideas, right? It can shape their opinions, which is important for them to understand. And 
they can have a voice, right, in how these are designed to be better for them and for for their community. So that's just like one example. And kind of all of our all of our curriculum try to touch on all of those topics, right? So something that is very student, in, you know, of, of relevance to them, where AI plays, you know, a provocative, if not important role for them to really grapple with kind of those societal implications of that. And often we try to, you know, allow them to either discuss it critically or in some of our curriculum, they even can do hands-on like coding activities, using online tools or paper prototyping. We want it to be accessible for a wide variety of classrooms that, you know, obviously spans different levels of technology enablement, right? So we actually do have a lot of activities that don't require a computer at all, if that's a limitation. We have activities that you you can do quite a lot with a computer if, if that's the kind of learning experience you want. So we're trying to create a, a wide range of materials. So no matter what kind of school or, 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 or discipline of teacher that you're, you're doing, there, there's something hopefully here that you can find relevant that you want to bring to your students. That's great. And I wanted to ask you for, for our audience, what is social robotic and human robot interaction and what role could play the young people in this interaction? Getting back to kind of my, my own academic research interests. So, you know, I think the easiest way to understand what a social robot is, is, you know, when you when you watch a movie like Star Wars, and <laughs> you see robots like R2-D2 and C-3PO. I mean, these are, the idea is these are, well, in this case, robots, but they could be virtual, they could be virtual agents, but let's say they're, these are physical robots that are designed to be able to interact with people in a very human-centered way. So the way that we as people communicate behave and interact, these machines need to be socially and emotionally intelligent in their own right so that they can support us, engage us, interact with us in a way that, again, it doesn't require special training or expertise on the standpoint of the person. So in my the earliest work, we certainly would notice that when a, a robot has autonomy and is sensing the world on its own and making decisions and kind of pursuing, say, a task, People naturally anthropomorphize these robots. You know, they ascribe mental states to these systems. They attribute kind of human psychological states. And I'd say there are different kind of internal states of, in, in the robot, but people certainly ascribe and try to understand this particular kind of technology in these very kind of anthropomorphic terms. So the question then is, if that is the natural way that people, you know, we ourselves want to apply our own social and emotional intelligence to understand these autonomous systems. And it's very natural. And I would argue it's, it's, it's just the way that our brains are wired, you know, try to understand entities that behave in ways that look like they're perceiving the world and making decisions and pursuing goals. So it's just a natural way that we understand the social world, right? So we want to support that, right? In a nutshell, then, it's how do you build machines that can interact with us, that treats and, and engages people as people, you know, so we don't have to behave like machines or, or things to have robots understand us. We should be able to be, you know, our natural selves and, and these, these intelligent systems should, should be able to interact with us in those terms and support us and collaborate with us. So that's, you know, kind of the, the punchline of it all. And, you know, the field has gone from, I would say, trying to understand kind of deep kind of psychological analogs, like what is social emotional intelligence in a machine, but also what does that mean when you're interacting with, with a person, right? Because it's one thing to have, say, ant-like intelligence, right? That might be considered kind of a social intelligence, right? It's this collective behavior, but of course, you know, that's not human-centered at all. So then when you think about specifically robots that are to interact 
with people. That's really the, the challenge. That's fascinating. Let me now connect what you just expressed to us to the day of AI. A big question that we hear in different countries is, do we think that computation thinking and robots should be taught from early education? And if so, should it be taught as a standalone subject or transversally throughout the different subjects and disciplines? For our mission for RAISE, Again, just acknowledging that, you know, when you look at things like, you know, in the United States, we have these smart speakers with the Alexa conversational agent, very young children are able to interact with Alexa, right? So it's just acknowledging that if you are of an age where you are interacting with these kinds of systems and they're potentially, you know, providing you services, but also telling you jokes and potentially shaping, you know, kind of the information you get and receive and so forth. It's important for, for you to understand this technology, right? It's important for you to be sufficiently literate that you understand issues of like the data collection and privacy and so forth. And, and so part of the challenge of, of our curriculum, of course, is what does that mean for a very young learner, like some, a child who might be in kindergarten versus a senior in high school? So we try to be informed by the great appropriateness of the material. But given that children of all ages are already, again, as we mentioned, are, are interacting with these kinds of technologies, we just want to make sure that it's demystified for them. And, and again, that they feel that this is a technology that they can ultimately shape and decide how it should be used in society. That's, that's remarkable. Given the fact that we have the privilege of reaching a global audience and to some extent we will be able to reach some ministers globally or, or at least their teams, what would be your call to action for educators and policymakers in this field? What would be your recommendation if they're listening to you? So I would definitely strongly recommend that we try to educate our children, again, ways of understanding, I would argue ways of thinking through societal implications and designing solutions that are increasingly using technologies, right? You know, digital technologies, artificial intelligence, and there'll be other new kinds of technology. So like, how do we future-proof our children, I think is, is really important. And just for, for them to be aware that there are a number of high-caliber organizations across the world who are developing materials that are student and teacher friendly to open up this world of possibility at a younger age because the reality is if you wait if you wait until college you you've really limited the number of people who may enter this kind of line of, of education where there's a lot of job opportunities I mean I think this is part of the the point a lot of these exciting jobs are in these these areas that are developing and designing solutions with these more advanced technologies. So to make those jobs attainable by more diverse students, you really do have to inspire them and reach them young because they may self-select out of the right educational track. So that's a big reason why we we want to reach children while they're still in elementary school and, and middle school. So they they are aware of you know, how fascinating these these topics are and that it's very multidisciplinary, right? You don't have to just want to be a software developer to design these technologies. You could be, you know, a graphic designer. You could be other kinds of, you know, human-centered designers. You could be a scientist. I mean, you could have so many different kinds of interest and still these kinds of technology-enabled tools are going to be very relevant to you, right? So it's important, I would say, for young students to get started and then to continue to give them engaging learning opportunities 
to continue to exercise their own critical and creative thinking. And, you know, at MIT, we're big believers in learning, not just learning through doing, but actually learning through making and designing. And so one of the sub goals, I guess we have for the day of AI is if we can bring more of that learning through problem solving, making and designing into our, our, our school systems, I think it, it will spark a sense of empowerment and a impact driven learning attitude that we have just found really engages young people. There are so many challenges that young people are facing today that they care deeply about and want to feel that they can be part of the solution. So mental health, I can tell you, in a lot of the programs that we've offered has become a really salient topic. Obviously, climate, equitable education, I mean, social justice, the list goes on and on and on. So just, just to say, you know, these young people, they so deeply care and we want to best empower them to be positive change agents. And that's how I'd like to see as we try to bring activities like Day of AI, that that is kind of the, the ethos that we're bringing to, to the overall experience and really empowering teachers, right? Empowering teachers to feel that they can bring these very exciting opportunities to their students. Absolutely. And if people would like to read more or learn more about the work that you do, where should they go? So uh, they could go to dayofai.org or raise, raise R-A-I-S-E, raise.mit.edu. So either of those websites will present a lot of information, but dayofai.org. Teachers can sign up, they can register, they can download the curriculum. It's free. And, um, we would love to welcome welcome folks into our community. Thank you. This is so inspiring and you are empowering us to have a closer look and, and raising the awareness. And I, I'll take away this message that you share, how to sing in a future-proof education. Thank you so much for the work that you do, Cynthia, and thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank you. Thank you.